Well, happy day after Thanksgiving. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. It's our annual day after Thanksgiving special Roadmap Roundup. I'm Adam Wright. We've got some wonderful guests for you today. But before we get to any of that, let us begin our morning in prayer as we always do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is that time of year for traditions, and what has quickly become one of my favorites here at Covenant Network is the special Roadmap Roundup we have for you on this day after Thanksgiving. And I am so happy to be joined this year by three wonderful women who work in service of the church and really in leadership of the church. And it's a gift for us. Uh, With us today, Nancy Werner, who is the Chancellor of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Nancy, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Adam. Thanks for the invitation. Also with us, Joyce Jones, who is the Director of Racial Harmony for the Archdiocese of St. Louis. And Joyce, you've been here before, and it is so good to have you back with us again. Thank you so much, Adam. I am just excited to be here. <laughs> and then trading her steno notebook for a microphone, uh, Laura Costa from the St. Louis Review is with us. Laura, thank you so much for being here today. Of course. I'm glad to be here. One of the things we, we love to talk about when we talk about Thanksgiving is just the traditions we have as a family. And I remember as a kid growing up eating the uh, Entman's Donuts, watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade every year while Dad started the turkey. And uh, Laura, let's, let's jump in with that with you. You come from a, a large family. I've had the pleasure of knowing many of your siblings for quite some time. What are some of those Thanksgiving traditions that have been handed down through the years that you find yourself still practicing today? Sure. I am, you know, been married for about six years and we have three young kids, uh, five, three and five months. And so we're very much in the stage of kind of taking all the traditions from my family and my husband's family and turning them into traditions for my own family. And so one of the uh, traditions that I love the most that we've kind of started to do with my new family is something we call our thankful turkey. It's lifted straight from Instagram. Um, But every night at dinner, we talk about something that we're thankful for and write it on a feather and add it to a turkey on the wall. And so it's just a good way for us to kind of practice that daily gratitude leading up to Thanksgiving instead of just on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Now, Not just the kids, though. This is you and your husband as well, adding feathers to the wall. Yes. Yeah. It's important (laughs) for all of us to be able to think of what we're thankful for. (laughs) Oh, I I love it. Now, Joyce, before we went on the air here today, you were mentioning that you love Thanksgiving because uh, you you have somehow managed to avoid having to be the one to host Thanksgiving. But what are some of the traditions in your family? Because that's where it comes from is a long family tradition. Correct, Adam. Even though uh, I was blessed to have my grandmother with me for years and years and years, and we had Thanksgiving dinner at her home. When I became an adult, I was part of helping with the prepping, right? And so as an African-American, we uh, typically had uh, food uh, recipes that had been passed down from generation to generation. And so one of the things, it was very laborious. My grandmother did everything from scratch. and I mean, yeast rolls, you name it. And so it was very laborious. And So, but I do remember that one of the things that we always did was there's uh, this one dish, mixed greens, it's called. And so there's turnip greens, mustard greens, and spinach greens. 
and we would go drive out to a farm, get the greens, bring them back because we were were cooking these things, you know, for tons of people. And then you'd have to pick them off the stem. So that's called picking the greens. Right. And then you would cook them in this big pot. And to this day, I do not do canned greens. I buy my fresh greens from the grocery store. I pick the leafy part off of the stem and I cook them from scratch. <laughs> so even by the time you came together at the Thanksgiving table, there was already so much going on just in this with, with the mixed greens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff that we did. We prepped for because my grandmother, we are a product of the Great Migration, you know, that some people have heard of. Um, so we migrated from the state of Mississippi to St. Louis. My grandmother and her sister. So that was my great aunt. Right. And so the tradition in our family was that one year we would be at my granny's house and then the next year we would be at my great aunt's house. But regardless of whose house we were at, we still did everything, all of the prep work and everything. So, yeah. I would imagine then that there are so many great memories from Mm -hmm. your childhood to today then that it's just it wouldn't be Thanksgiving without some of these things. Correct. And um, now it took me a long time to let go of the cooking, right? Because my granny was the one that cooked. Uh, And so my kids, when they became adults, they always wanted to, well, I'll make the mac. No, 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 I'll do it all. But this year I have decided that they can have it. (laughs) So I finally let go of, you know, me doing all of the cooking. I I love it. And as our listeners know, I'm a foodie. So I might have to see if I can snag an invite to Thanksgiving (laughs) dinner with your family. (laughs) From the sound of it, they might not notice one other person. (laughs) Now, I will say that my granny probably is rolling over in her grave because we fry our turkeys instead of baking them. And that would be sacrilegious for her. Oh, wow. All right. (laughs) Well, We'll offer some prayers of mea culpa. For right, right. Thank you for that. <laughs> now, Nancy, I know you are not a native St. Louisan either. You, you came to us from up north. Uh, right, and that's just what I was thinking about when I was listening to Joycey. Um, so I'm a Minnesota native. So part of my, at least since I've been here since 2009, part of uh, Thanksgiving for me is just preparing for the big drive. Um, it's about 10 hours, and I always say that you can leave St. Louis and everything's just fine. But the farther I travel north in that 10 hours, things can change. So I've had some complicated drives. But Thanksgiving at my house, it is all about my mother. Um, this is like prime time for my mother. She is, um, she's kind of controlling. So she likes to do all the cooking and she likes mm-hmm. to host. So she's 86 and that is still the way we roll. I would say that, that this year I'm noticing that she is delegating a little bit. One of my favorite things is to garnish the table. I just love putting together a a great table. So in my mind, it's got to be like the greatest napkin and placemat and then a little goodie from chocolate, chocolate, chocolate by each place. And it's just, you know, it's all about just creating the perfect environment for a great meal. So that's what I'm going to do this year. Uh, And uh, I look forward to... um, Going home, I am from a very small town in southern Minnesota called Marshall, Minnesota. And really the only thing that's kind of a standout about Marshall, Minnesota is Schwann's ice cream. Mm. So the yellow trucks that you kind of still see in our neighborhoods, um, that's headquarters there. But my mom and I usually go to mass and then um, eat a little bit later in the afternoon. We're kind of a football family. 
So that'll be happening as soon as, as dinner is over. Is there a an agreed-upon favorite team, or is this now a very big contest? What a of, crazy question you had. Like, where, what do you think most Minnesotans I, I are going to say? I would imagine it's the Vikings. Well, of course right. it is, you right. Know. And if you watch last week's game, I'm not like the uh, football person like the rest of my tribe, but... So the Vikings had a real big win um, last week. So I'm sure everyone's going to be really excited for this week. All right. Well, we're going to take a very quick break here to get you the saint of the day. When we come back, we will continue our Thanksgiving discussions here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Today is the feast day of St. Moses and St. Peter of Alexandria. They were martyrs. And this is also the feast day of St. Catherine of Alexandria. She was also a martyr. Born in Egypt in the late 3rd century, Catherine was the daughter of Constance, the governor of Alexandria during the reign of Maximian. When Catherine was in her late teens, she had a vision of the Blessed Mother and Jesus. She converted immediately and was baptized. When the emperor began persecuting Christians, she went to him directly and chastised him for his cruelty. In response, he sent for 50 philosophers to engage her in a debate designed to show she was wrong, but instead... All 50 converted. Enraged, the emperor had them all arrested and condemned. When she was in prison, more than 200 people came to visit Catherine, including soldiers and members of the emperor's own family, and most of them converted as well. Angered even more, he ordered them all to be executed and that Catherine be put to death on a spiked wheel, an effort which failed when the wheel broke. So she was beheaded. She died in 305 at the age of 18. St. Catherine of Alexandria, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. A prayer for the gift of wisdom. Great is the wisdom of the Lord. God Almighty, your wisdom includes an understanding of what is fair, what is logical, what is true, what is right, and what is lasting. It mirrors your pure intellect. I entreat you to grant me such wisdom that my labors may reflect your insight. Your wisdom expands in your creations, displaying complexity and multiplicity. Your wisdom is an eternity ahead of man. May your wisdom flourish forever. Amen. We are back. If you're just joining us, it's our annual Day After Thanksgiving Roadmap Roundup Thanksgiving and Advent special. We're happy to be joined by Laura Costa, Joyce Jones, and Nancy Werner, all from the Archdiocese of St. Louis. We've been talking about family traditions, but now I want to kind of turn the tables to the gratitude portion of Thanksgiving. Laura kind of set the stage for us with her her Instagram hack here and the, the feathers of the turkey with things we're grateful for to be uh, written down every day. But we we all say Thanksgiving is more than just one day. It's more, it, it's more of a lifestyle. And uh, Joyce, I'd like to start with you, if that's okay. You know, how do you look for opportunities to be grateful every day, especially in a world as chaotic as ours now in 2022? I I mean, I keep thinking, can it get worse than this? And sometimes the world says, absolutely, it can. But we have to look for those moments of gratitude every day. Yeah. So uh, we try and do that as a family. Right. We uh, get together periodically, especially the couple of weeks coming up to Thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, we were all together this past Sunday 
And what we do is we try to remember our ancestors and be thankful for the gift of love that they gave us and thankful that they gave us the gift of, of knowing Christ, you know, right? And so what we do is uh, just this uh, past Sunday, we introduced a card game to our daughters that our parents played. It was one of the things that was very traditional in the African-American culture. Uh, we stayed at home on the weekends and we played cards. And so the card game was bid whist, right? So when our kids went off to college, they all started playing spades, right? And we keep trying to tell them that's not a card game. If you don't know how to play bid whist, you just don't know how to play cards. And so just Sunday, we, um, we t- tried to teach them how to play bid whist. And uh, it was hilarious. But we did that. As we were doing that, we were talking about my uh, grandmother and how she used to, you know, yell and scream, you know, that, oh, I won, I won. You know, we were bringing family into it and just remembering the days when we sat around the dining room table and we were just saying that we were thankful. You know, so that's what we do is we just try to do something that will introduce our history into the occasion. Yeah. I, I'm curious about this card game. We're going to have to talk after the show because I, I love playing cards. And I, I play a game as well that if, if you say, let's play spades, I'm like, no, that's too easy. It's, it, it's not complicated enough. So we're going to have to pass notes after okay, class. Here. Okay. So now you're going to cook and play cards. Oh, I, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And watch football. And watch football. <laughs> so, Nancy, I would imagine, I, actually, I don't want to imagine what your email inbox is like because I would guess as chancellor, you get a lot of this needs your urgent attention emails. And there's probably a, a fair amount of stress in your day from time to time. But what does that mean to you to take that time to stop and just say, Lord, this is what you're doing in my life or in the archdiocese or in the office. And I just want to say thank you today. You know, I'm pretty intentional about that. I am the kind of person that my cup is way fuller than it is empty. And so it's just sort of a a natural uh, position. And I feel like I never take for granted my leadership role in the church, and it is just a real outgrowth, I know, of who the Lord has always meant me to be. And so I think how I witness joy and how I witness gratitude, but even more important, how I practice it, whether it's in our building or in my family or with friends, um, it's just a daily thing, and it's not very complicated. Um, I really use the morning to sort of help focus my day not on the tactical part, but just to have sort of the right interior part. And it's not, I mean, it, it really is very simple, a little bit like you started our show today with prayer, and then that just really asking the Lord to just let let gratitude overflow. I think it kind of changes how you meet the world, if that's kind of where you're starting. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, it's, I don't know if it makes any sense now that I've kind of listened to myself say that. but It's um, very Ignatian because he would yes, have us do the same thing. To I'm a little s- more Benedictine, but okay. um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it could be Ignatian. Yeah. That's where the hospitality with the place settings comes from. Then. I know. Uh, yes. All right. They call her the Martha Stewart of the building. <laughs> <laughs> that is who she is. <laughs> now, Laura, you mentioned mm-hmm. that you're riding on the turkey feathers with the family. Do you ever have a hard oh, time yeah. saying, okay, I need to write something down that's not what I wrote yesterday? or the day before, how, how does that force you to look deeper? 
Yeah, absolutely. So whether it's the turkey feathers or even when it's not the Thanksgiving season, something that we do is every night at dinner, we talk about our favorite parts of the day among our family or, you know, if we have guests at dinner, we make them participate too. And so even on days when, you know, I come home from work or maybe I didn't sleep while I was up all night with a baby, whatever it might be. And I just feel like, oh man, I just had such a hard day today. Asking myself that question forces me to find at least like something good, even if it was like you know, the hug that my kid gave me when I walked through the door or, you know, just like a, one nice conversation that I had that day. Um, and so being able to recognize at least one good thing, even on days when it seems really hard, helps me to think of, you know, more good things and to um, uh, kind of turn all of our minds towards the gratitude for the little everyday things. I love it. I love it. We are going to take a very quick pause here in the show. When we come back, I spoiler alert, Advent's right around the corner. And ready or not, here it comes. So that's where we're going to change our discussion to here on Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. Prayer to St. Juan Diego of Guadalupe. O St. Juan Diego, in the appearances of Our Lady of Guadalupe, you, a humble peasant, were chosen as her messenger. Your faithfulness in this task is evident still today in the miraculous image the Virgin left upon your tilma. Intercede for me, I pray, that I might have your childlike trust in the Mother of God, and that my heart might respond to her maternal promptings. Through such simple confidence, obedience, and love, may I join you one day in sharing everlasting joy where our Heavenly Mother reigns in the glory of her Son. Amen. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network on this Friday, November 25th. We're happy to be with you for our post-Thanksgiving Roadmap Roundup. We've been talking about gratitude for the first part of our show, but we're going to switch our focus now to the coming season of Advent, which begins on Sunday. And I love this season, ladies. If I'm honest, it's one of my favorite ones in the church because as we were just talking about looking for those areas in life to be grateful Now we're looking for the areas to be hopeful. It's all about a world that was seemingly in darkness, waiting for hope. And here steps our Lord into the mess of it to be with us. And I'm just kind of curious, as as you've been experiencing this year and living this year and and coming to this point and we're getting ready for Advent, what are some of those areas in, in your life that you say, all right, this is what it means to prepare this season of Advent? I think I have to preface anything I would say about Advent. Um, years ago, 1996, my best friend was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And it was during the season of Advent that it became more clear that it wasn't going to be, there wasn't going to be any recovery. And so it was, it, that is where that imprint of the Advent readings, the spirit of Advent waiting in hope, Uh, preparing light for the world. It was during that kind of what I would say cloak of darkness-ish that Advent really, like like you, Adam, Advent became my just, I just love it. I love the readings. And I love just that personal call for me to prepare my own heart for the coming of the Lord and in all kinds of ways beyond Christmas. So I look forward to, I always have such lofty hopes uh, for myself to be more reflective, take time, you know, like all that's probably on all of our lists. But I hope um, because of the opportunity with all things new that we have all had throughout this year, 
I think in a real way that that hopefulness maybe can we can integrate that a little bit um, this year in a special way if we are ministering or helping lead the, the Church of St. Louis. And just really quick for our listeners outside of the Archdiocese of St. Louis, uh, All Things New is really a discernment process we've been going through as an archdiocese here is to what evangelization looks like for the next quarter, half century, even 75 years. And it's a very exciting thing, a little bit scary, but a very exciting thing because, you know, when you say, Lord, where do you want us to go? You have to be ready for anything and you have to be prepared. Joyce, what about you? What, what are some of the things you look forward to preparing in your heart this Advent? Well, for this Advent, I um, am just looking for um, peace, right? Um, it just seems that since the pandemic started, that there's just been this turmoil around me and around people that I know. And I've always, uh, during the Advent season, I just really love it because I've always sang in a choir and the music of um, the Advent season has always spoken to me. Jesus, baby Jesus, you know, that's just a precious, precious gift and to sing away in a manger, right? Um, So I'm looking forward to this Advent of uh, keeping in front of me that Jesus will be born, right? He's going to be in that manger. And he comes to us to give us peace, to give us joy. And so I'm going to take this Advent season and every day, Nancy talked about the readings. I've never really been too much into the readings, even though, you know, I'd always get the book that they give out at, at Mass, right? And uh, and I'd read them, but um, I think this year it's going to be different, that it's really going to be an intentional part of me to put those readings with the music that I love. Laura, what about you? Yeah, so much like Nancy and Joyce, I'm also very much looking forward to this kind of invitation to peace this Advent you know, with three kids and working full time, my life often seems very chaotic. Um, so to me, preparing is all about making room, you know, intentionally on my calendar, making room for, you know, Advent related things, but also just a couple minutes in my day to sit down and be quiet um, and just allow myself to be with Jesus as I prepare for him. Yeah, I have to admit, I'm a, I'm a little envious because at your office, you can go down the hall <laughs> and just open a door and he's right there in the mm-hmm. chapel. We have our prayer space mm-hmm. here. I'm very grateful for it. But to know that he's right there has mm-hmm. to be such a gift during that mm-hmm. season. Now, Joyce, you, you shared a couple of your family traditions mm-hmm. with us. And um, that, that's one of the beautiful things about our faith is, is united as we are in the core tenets of our faith, there's also a great diversity in how we live our faith. And... Um, so I'm, I'm going to start with you on this one. What are some of the family traditions this time of year as, as we get ready for Christmas? We journey through the season of Advent. How does how is your family live this? Well, so my family typically looks forward to Christmas to the day after Christmas, actually. So our family has always been Midnight Mass is the the big mass that we go to and, you know, Pancake House after Midnight Mass, but we actually, since 1999, have been celebrating something that's called Kwanzaa. It started just because one day I was watching television and um, the principles of Kwanzaa just kind of spoke to me. It's like a seven-day holiday um, celebration, 
and it celebrates the African heritage and African-American culture. And so my husband and I decided that we wanted to do that for our family so that we could just become more cohesive, right? And so um, the, one of the principles is uh, creativity and unity. And so we combined those two. The first year that we did it in 1999, we had a meal on that day and we did a craft. So the craft was, I just bought a little doily from like Michael's or something. And everybody that was there signed this doily. And after they signed it, then I embroidered it, the names on it, right? And so that doily from 1999, it still sits on a table that's in the entrance to our house. My grandson uh, was maybe two years old at the time, and he just has like this squiggle line. And so that squiggle line is embroidered on there. And when you come to our home, you just see from 99, all of these various projects that we did together as a family. And it has been so well received that uh, the adult children will not let us invite anybody else to it. That's their time. And they won't let us cancel it. So every year, Um, they look forward to Midnight Mass and then the day after Christmas. I would imagine that that's quite the sight to see then when you come into the home and see all of these things that have been made over the years and brought the family together. Yeah, you know, we have one thing that everybody just still is amazed at and how we come up with the ideas for it is sort of, it's a family project, right? And so just, you know, the day before Thanksgiving this year, the first thing they were saying is, what are we doing for Kwanzaa, right? Um, but one of the things that's in the home, my husband does really well with woodworking. And so he he went to Home Depot. He bought this, um, um, this wood that uh, it was like a border kind of thing that had leaves indented in it. And so he cut it up, made a picture frame. And everybody that was present that year put their thumbprint in each one of those leaves and then we put their names there. And that, when you look, when we look at it, we just, you know, it just brings tears to our eyes because it just brought us together so close, you know, yeah. as a family. So, yeah, there's all kinds of things around my house that, you know, one of the things is a puzzle. Uh, that very first year we decided, you know, okay, well, we're going to do this for seven days, right? Well, that didn't, the next year it's gone. But that first year we started a puzzle on the first day and ended it on the seventh day. And people would just come by the house and just do a little bit of the puzzle until it was in. So it's a tradition that I know my family will just keep when we're long gone. So, I would imagine some, several of our listeners right now have uh, have the notebooks out and they're taking notes <laughs> on this. All right, puzzles, that's, that can bring the family together. But my family, that might get a little contentious, but you know, um, it, it is something my mom and I actually like to do together. Mm. So I might have to say, Mom, mm-hmm. let's, get a, let's get a Christmas puzzle and... Yeah. That could bring us together yeah. a little bit more often this time of yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. We actually put Mod Podge on it. Okay. Framed it and it's hanging in our dining room. Beautiful. <laughs> now, Laura, I know your family has a lot of traditions this time of year because I remember speaking of midnight mass, many of the the Coles saying, Hey, we're going to midnight mass, and then we're gonna go to Waffle House. So you wanna come? So, <laughs> yeah, sure, let's go. So what are some of those things from your childhood that your mom and dad have passed on to you that, that you just love this time of year? 
Sure. Yeah. One big thing that we did in my family growing up that I've um, gotten to do with my kids now is a Jesse tree of sorts. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was little, every one of my brothers and sisters and I had kind of our own Jesse tree that we got to put an ornament on every day, mostly just to avoid the arguments of who gets to put the ornament on that day. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it, it helped us kind of tell a Bible story every day and go through salvation histories we got ready for Christmas. And then I do that with my kids now as they're little. Um, one of my other favorite family traditions, though, is not liturgical at all. Um, and it's our, our Cole family game tournament, we called it. It started back when I was, I don't know, maybe like 10 or so. And every year around Christmas, when all of my older brothers and sisters are in town, we get together and we have a whole day of um, board game competition. And there's a bracket. It's very intense. But it's just a really fun thing uh, that we get to do every year. And it's kind of evolved over the years as we've grown up and started to have our own kids. You know, we can't always spend 10 hours playing games when we have babies. Um, But it's been fun to be able to start to include our own kids in that now, too, as, you know, my five-year-old can play shoots and ladders and um, be able to continue that thing that's really specific to our family. I, uh, I'd like to switch gears here just a little bit, Nancy, and ask you this question, because it's a, it's a big challenge for many of us this time of year, especially when I think it was October 1st, I saw my first Christmas tree in a window, not of a hardware store. It was a beauty salon nearby, and they had the Christmas tree up, the lights on, and it wasn't even Halloween yet. And I mm. thought, did they start selling Christmas goodies there or, or whatnot? You're in a leadership position in the church, which is focused on, it's not Christmas yet. First, we have to have Advent. How do you keep that perspective, and how do you share that perspective with everyone under your charge? I think Hobby Lobby had it out in July. I mean, I, I like for sure the summer was full of Christmas at Hobby Lobby. You know, I don't know what there is to do about that. I think maybe the call is to try to um, integrate it a bit, whether it's the lights. I, I'm sure not decorating around my world or my neighbors don't really have too much up yet. But I think as the church, probably that we're kind of called to identify, well, what's good about that part of beginning to prepare for Christmas? But I don't I don't think that that we can have a lot of impact on the culture that way. I think it seems to be something that it must fit some of the little, I don't know, the gaps in people's lives, because you can tell, I mean, I mean, retail certainly is taking it and running with it. But no, so I, yeah, so I, I think that's the best answer. I don't have any solutions. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I, I love that carol, People Look East, and it, it speaks of making the hearth ready and making the home ready. And, you know, we I grew up in a family where Christmas did not appear after everybody went to bed on Christmas Eve, and then all of a sudden the tree was up and, and the house was decorated. It was little by little. And uh, Yeah, I do think I would want to say something else, especially yeah. to the, like, I'm thinking about my family that, that I that, so I, they're not in St. Louis, and I also would say that my mom and I are the only ones in our family that are still practicing Catholics. So I'm thinking about all the people that are listening, and we've kind of created some of this sort of like like this the amazing stories we're telling. But I know that it is painful um, when it's just my mom and I, and my sister and her kids, and the rest of the group aren't coming. So. I would say that as a practicing Catholic, I'm just hoping that as families get together over Christmas and have gotten together for Thanksgiving, that we continue to try to keep inviting people to Mass with us or just trying to bring people back to the faith that we all love so much. And so I'm sure that my experience of the rest of my group not participating isn't unusual. 
the door is open. Come for the food. Come for the activities. Come for the games. Uh, but by all means, if you'd like to Meet join us mass. for mass, we'd love. To, we'd still <laughs> exactly. love to have you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a, a really quick break here, and then we're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit more. How we can keep Advent Advent in our own hearts. You know, I, I agree. We're not gonna really be able to go out and change the culture in one foul swoop, but we can start with ourselves. So, uh, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We will be back after this. The Memorari to Saint Joseph for the sanctification of families. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary that never was it known that anyone who implored thy help and sought thy intercession was left unaided. Full of confidence in thy power, I fly unto thee and beg thy protection of families. Despise not, O guardian of the Redeemer, my humble prayer, but in thy bounty hear and answer me. Amen. We're talking about Advent and then Christmas because there, there is an order to these things. And as we get ready to light the first candle on the Advent wreath, we can talk about some of those things we do in our home. Now, Laura, I imagine this has to be a challenge for you because you have little kids who are probably like, all right, we need to talk about presents and we need to talk about reindeer and we need to talk about snowmen and will it snow this Christmas? And mom, do you have all of the answers we're looking for? <laughs> what, are, what are some of the ways? I mean, you said you're looking forward to taking that time to slow down and if nothing else, experience that peace in Advent. What are some of the ways that um, that you do that? Not Not for your kids, not for your husband, but just for you. Wow, Adam, that's a great question. A lot of my time is spent thinking about how I'm doing this for my kids and not just for myself. Not to cheat the answer, but I'd say sometimes my kids do lead that me to that for myself, too. Like one thing that we do besides, you know, Jesse Trees and Lighting Advent Candles is we like to go on lots of walks around our neighborhood to see Christmas lights. Um, and I like that, you know, I think just as much as my kids, I love the beautiful lights. But it's a really good reminder for me to slow down when they want to stop outside every single house and look at all the lights and, you know, to stop and let myself experience kind of the wonder and awe that I think sometimes can get lost amidst the busyness of the season. So yeah, just like physical reminders to slow down like that are really helpful to me. I imagine that helps, especially the, the, the quiet of the night. I mean, it's a city neighborhood. You and I are neighbors, too, in, yes. in addition to having known <laughs> each other all of our lives. But mm -hmm. there is sometimes a very a good stillness and a peace walking around at night and looking at the lights. And that I would imagine that helps with that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's dark by 5.30 p.m., so we can get a walk-in before bedtime. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. Joyce, what about you? What are some of the things you do to, you know, again, not say we're not going to look at the snowman and the reindeer <laughs> and, and all of that, but to say, well, let's keep things in order here. How, how do you... You know, yeah. it just is not difficult for us. I mean, we just were raising us. My, I didn't mention that my grandmother was, um, she was not Catholic, right? So we were just raising a very strict denominational home. And we just don't even think about not doing Christmas early. You know what I'm saying? Um, Christmas is Christmas. And we just don't separate it out. Uh, we actually had this conversation um, a couple of days ago, and we were complaining, you know, that, you know, there was stuff up and it's not even, you know, you know, time yet. So uh, we we just don't have that problem of having Christmas before it's Christmas, right? Um, one of the things that we love to do, though, we like that people put lights out because we love going and looking um, at the Christmas lights, right? And we actually get in the car and we drive, you know, we 
I think there's like this map now that you can have on your phone. And man, when I found that out, we just really had a ball with that. And I'm at the age now where my grandchildren are driving. And so we, we, we miss having the little ones, you know, as our uh, scapegoat for why we're doing these things. Um, but we, we still go out uh, and uh, just enjoy the lights. Well, a, a couple of things we've been asked to share with you, our listeners, if you're looking for a great place to see the lights. Of course, one of my perennial favorites, Our Lady of the Snows, The Way of Lights, mm-hmm. where they keep the Christmas story in with the lights. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in Laura's neighborhood, my neighborhood, Our Lady of Sorrows on South Kings Highway, Father Sebastian every year makes it a point with a great crew of volunteers to put thousands upon thousands of lights on the trees adorning the street, on the church, on the bell tower. And he always, you know, talk about Benedictine spirituality. He always has cookies and cocoa out on the back porch of the rectory. So stop by there if you're in the area. We want to share with you one important thing happening in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Pretty quick here, on December 3rd, there is going to be a Mass of Unity at 10 a.m. at the Cathedral Basilica of St. Louis with Archbishop Rosansky. It's just really a great time to come together as a Catholic family and uh, be with one another and to pray that we can be with one another as we move forward in the spirit of all things new. And, you know, it's the time of years we've been talking about on the show to get together with friends and family, whether it's for food or fun. But what better thing to come together for than to receive our Lord in the Holy Eucharist and to spend some time with our brothers and sisters. And if you want to let us know about something happening in your neck of the woods in our listening area, by all means, send me an email here at the station, adam at ourcatholicradio.org, and we would be happy to share that for you. And, you know, especially, we've been talking a little bit about music as well. Sunday, December 18th at 2 p.m., Archbishop Rosansky will be presiding over a service of lessons and carols at the Old Cathedral right underneath the arch. It's at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, free and open to the public. The choir from the Shrine of St. Joseph is going to be there. It's a beautiful church. It's a beautiful choir. A wonderful, wonderful time to come together. And uh, I have to say, Archbishop Rosansky always has a very good message every time I hear him preach. So I don't know what he's going to preach about but I'm willing to say it's going to be good. We're going to take one last break here, and then we will wrap up our Roadmap Roundup after this. Stay tuned. Prayer in a time of waiting. All-powerful and ever-living God, guard our churches, our homes, our schools, our hospitals, our factories, and all the places where we gather. Deliver us from harm and peril. Protect our land and the peoples from enemies within and without. Grant an early peace with victory founded upon justice. Instill in the hearts and minds of men and women everywhere a firm purpose to live forever in peace and goodwill toward all. This we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. We are wrapping up the week of the Daily Dose of Encouragement on Gratitude, and I'll be honest with you, we had a bit of a debate on whether or not we should say Happy Thanksgiving on Thursday, and and Happy Thanksgiving because, Patty, I, I think you've taught us this beautiful lesson this week. Every day is a day for giving thanks to our Lord. Absolutely. And I want to finish this week on gratitude with quotes from two great saints. The first one is St. Jose Maria Escriva, and he had some great advice about gratitude. He said this, Get used to lifting your heart to God in acts of thanksgiving many times a day. Thank him for everything, because everything is good. That's from St. Jose Maria Escriva. And then St. John Chrysostom said this, 
One day, when we are in God's presence eternally, we will comprehend with full clarity, not only that we owe our existence to him, but that our lives were full of his care, his graces and benefits, more numerous than the sands of the sea. And so I just pray for the grace that on the worst day of my life, I will be able to praise God and thank him for his blessings. And that's going to be difficult. So I want to begin practicing gratitude now in all things. Today, make many acts of thanksgiving all throughout your day. I said at the beginning of the week, I thought this would be one of those themes that would resonate with all of us. And Patty, I think it certainly is, as we've wrapped up this week, one of those things that we can all benefit from going back to again and again, and that is to be thankful. Thank you for this wonderful week of encouragement. We are wrapping up our special post-Thanksgiving Roadmap Roundup. I'm very grateful for Laura Costa and Nancy Werner and Joyce Jones who have been with us here today. And, you know, the question we'd like to end with is really this. Um, We talk about our Lord being the light that steps out into the darkness of humanity. And while the Incarnation is an event in history, it's also something we remember every year because it seems like we sure do have plenty of darkness in our lives. But um, ladies, the question I'd like to end with today is what's just one hope you have, whether it's in, in your own family, in your own heart, or in the world, that this year, you know, I, we just pray that our Lord opens someone's eyes to see that light. So, you know, I said that I, I love the music of Christmas. I just love music, period, right? So there's just never a day that I'm not humming a tune. And one of my favorite uh, songs for church is this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. And so if I would say anything, I would like that people would see the light of Christ in me, that it's shining for people to see, right? A lot of times we, we go outward and we say we want people, we want to see somebody else's light. But, you know, I want to be the person that has that light that people see. I think that's beautiful. Laura, you're going to have to go on a walk by Joyce's house now. So <laughs> yeah. What, what about you, Laura? What's one of your hopes for Christmas this year? Yeah, I think one of my hopes for myself and for everybody is just that we recognize that Jesus wants to come and be with us exactly where we are. Um, you know, like I mentioned, I have a five-month-old, so I'm up a lot in the middle of the night, and it's always cozier to do that during the time of year when I have my Christmas tree up, when, you know, I'm up in the middle of the night, but I've got this glow of the Christmas tree, and it's just this, like, little quiet reminder that even in like these hidden moments that no one else in the world sees like that's where God is with me um, and that's where he wants to be with everybody mm-hmm. exactly where they are too. Mm-hmm. Nancy I imagine you have uh, a lot of time to reflect on this driving 10 hours as well. What's one of your hopes for Christmas? Well as soon as you asked the question it was real clear to me that I think the fix to darkness is unity. I just feel like we are just so fragmented, like um, as a world, as a church, as families. And so, and I don't mean the kind of unity that is like the Hallmark movie channel, which I love, uh, that kind of unity. But it's the unity that recognizes that we are better together than we are separate. And so whatever the words are that you want to fill in about better at this or that or whatever, but I do think that if 2023 
could be more focused, more centered around unity. And let's just put it out, even even if we would find ourselves in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, unified around an, a new mission, a renewed church, like that would just be wonderful. I agree. And with that, the music has started and and we come to a close on our program. I do want to thank each of you for being here with us today. And I want to thank you, our listeners. But most importantly, I'd like to thank God for this time together. So we close as we always do in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Peace pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, once again, thank you so much to Nancy Werner, Joyce Jones, and Laura Costa, all from the Archdiocese of St. Louis. If you heard something today that you'd like to share, it gives you some hope or some peace. By all means, share this podcast version of the show with your friends. Until next time for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven. And don't forget to pray your rosary today. Thank mm-hmm. you.